think it's a stretch to say. I think I could do a poll and probably I'm pretty confident of the results uh, today. That it, it appears to me that our society right now uh, has a profound deficit when it comes to peace. Is that fair enough to say? I just don't see a lot of peace. Now listen, when I say peace, we're going to look at this from a biblical perspective and from the truth of God's word. I don't mean that circumstances are necessarily what you want them to be because according to God's word, we can know peace even in the midst of chaos as we're going to look at in just a moment. That's the good news actually. So the question then becomes how, how is that possible? I'm reminded, even in an article I was reading just this last week, about uh, the distress and things going on in our culture, in our country, and even around the world, quite honestly. Uh, and this article quoted, for example, uh, the 2021 American Family Survey, and they found that, and this is actually the good news, they found that in the midst of the pandemic and all the distress and everything has been going on for the last year and a half, they found that the share of the U.S. adults who say houses of worship, that's, you know, that's secular language for church, for the body of Christ, houses of worship were helpful during, I'm glad to hear that, aren't you? They were helpful during the pandemic. That's the, this detailed survey that was taken in the culture at large. And they even ranked higher in being helpful than employers and public schools. Now, I'm not trashing public schools or or employers, either one, but the perspective from this survey is that the body of Christ stepped up and was in some ways more helpful. Now, there's lightning rod issues on those other two groups, so I kind of get that. Lifeway went on to say uh, that Americans are more than seven times as likely to say the local churches were helpful versus harmful, which is, to me, some good news. The body of Christ had an opportunity in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of, and still do, by the way, that hasn't gone away, when people do not have peace in their life. But here's another thing that I thought was interesting in this article. According to the Journal for Scientific Study of Religion, I always get nervous about that word religion, so bear with me. Uh, but nonetheless, the study was called that. They found a spike in distress among most Americans uh, in March of 2020. Well, y'all remember what happened in March 2020, right? Bam, everything's shut down. Uh, and they found it was less pronounced, though, among most, and again, I don't like the terminology, but I get what they're saying, religious Americans, especially evangelicals. Now, if you're not familiar with that term evangelicals, that basically means Christians that actually believe the Bible. There are people who say they're Christian that don't really believe the Bible, but evangelicals do. That is that group of Christians that do. Now, here's what's even more interesting to me. Uh, we, we are finding in no big shock that there is a rise in a lack of mental health or a rise in, in emotional kinds of issues, with go, which goes to play in this lack of peace in people's lives. And they found that 24% of American adults, as they did the research, um, that had a stronger faith that that issue was a far less prominent problem for, for good reason. And as a matter of fact, the recent Gallup poll found that mental health is worse in this country than it has been for over the last two decades. No big shock, I don't think, to some degree. 
but it's just not good. I mean, there's a lot of emotional struggle, pain, and things going on in people's lives is the point, except one group. <laughs> I love this. Except one group. Those that engage in worship on a weekly, on a regular basis in a body of Christ. That was the exception. So in the culture in general, the mental health is worse off than it has been in the last two decades, except, isn't that good news? Or can be, doesn't necessarily mean it is. It, that, that is truly up to us and what we do with that. Well, I, I say all that to say this. We've been going through the story of Micah, if you've been with us, and if you haven't, it's quite all right. But we're going to start in chapter 4 today. And by this point in the story, if you hadn't figured it out, they've made a mess of things. If you haven't figured it out, his, his people have messed up everything from their relationship with God to their relationships with one another to how society even functions well. Because it's not. It is crazy uh, and destructive. Uh, and I see a lot of parallels in some ways between then and now. But in the midst of that chaos, God comes along in verse chapter 4. And he says, there's this remnant of believers that are going to get serious about their faith. There's this remnant of believers that are going to come out of the chaos and the ashes and the brokenness of their lives. And they're going to re-engage genuine faith in God. And then God says, there's a future peace coming if you will allow that. So in a real way, my friends, we, we're either a part of the remnant or we're not. You, you know that this is... Another freebie, I know I say that a lot, but uh, you, you know, because we sit in a church doesn't mean we're part of the remnant, right? Just because we come and do the religious thing doesn't mean you're following Christ, as we've been talking about. Paul had this to say, you're familiar likely with this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, one of my favorite passages. He says, do not be anxious about anything. He's talking to believers about anything. Notice he didn't leave anything out. He said, do not be, you can make a choice. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't let it control you, the anxiety. But in every situation, every circumstance, by prayer, which means worship, by the way. It's a, it's a, it's a worshipful prayer. It's acknowledging who God is by prayer and petition, asking God, being honest with him about what you're stressed about. With thanksgiving, he says, then present your request to God. And then he says, what will happen? Y'all with me? In the peace of God. What's the source? Not me. It's God. It's not my circumstances. It's God. And he says, in the peace of God, which was what? Transcends all understanding. In other words, I can't figure this out, but he can. It transcends all understanding. will guard your what? Your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the question is, where does this peace come from and how can we experience it today in the midst of our chaos? Can we truly in the midst of different kinds of circumstances and trials and struggles that we all will have and, and things that come along, whether it's a pandemic or not, can we know this peace? And Micah's resounding, God's voice through Micah is a resounding absolutely. Not even a yes, but it's absolutely. But it's going to require two things, as we're going to see this morning. It's going to require that you and I seek and live out of the presence of God. And we're going to talk about what that means in just a minute. But it also means, my friend, that you and I have got to live under and submit to the sovereignty of God. Am I going to be in control or is he? It's, it's a choice that you and I have each new day, right? So let's, let's begin with chapter 4. 
just these five verses. And I want you to notice the, the promise that's being made here. It's pretty amazing if you really look at these verses. He says, in the last days, he's talking to God's people that had messed up everything. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The, wall, the, the, the law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from where? From Jerusalem. That's the center of where Jesus, of course, lived and ultimately died. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for the strong nations far and wide, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we, this remnant of people, this people are going to trust him, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. Now, let's look at the presence of God and see what he's talking about. Start with Now, he starts with, that, with a very important phrase you'll see sometimes in the Old Testament prophetic books. And he says what? In the last days, well, what's that mean? In the last days, he's looking forward to a prophetic future. He's looking for, you look at Micah and Isaiah and the different prophecies, he's looking forward to this messianic leader that will arise and he will cause a peace that is, that is profound and personal, as we're going to see in just a moment. But what I want you to know is that those, those verses, those promises, that phrase, in the last days, does not just refer to a future to come. It refers to what Christ can do in the here and now. It's not just about what Christ will do. It's about what he wants to do now to get you to the will do. It is a both end. The, the prophetic voice speaks to both of those. And I want you to know something specifically there in verse 1. The mountain of the Lord's temple, the, the, the imagery of the divine mountain as is pictured here is used quite often in the Old Testament. And it has two important implications, especially associated with the word temple. First of all, it refers to the presence of God. Second of all, it, it refers to God's victory over chaos. In other words, you can't have the peace that transcends all understanding. Well, let's dig into that just for a moment because it's important to grasp. If we're going to know the peace that comes from God, we've got to be in the neighborhood. Is that making sense? We've got to actually be seeking to walk with him and know his presence and seek that on a purposeful basis. And so Micah is telling us that, first of all, this is what the Lord says. We've already talked about it. it's a future truth as well as a here and now truth. It is a truth that is revealed by God himself. Now, these are old slides. I'm not sure how they got up there. That's from last week. So I'm going to go with, with what I'm trying to teach you today. Look closely at verse 1. 
And he says there's two things about the temple. The temple, again, represents the presence of God, not a building. This is not the church, right? Are you with me? This is a place where we worship. And when we come to worship, we're not coming to seek what I want or what you want or what my preferences or what you preference. When we come and we worship on a genuine basis, according to God's word, we will do so seeking the presence of Christ. So when we walk into this building, it is important that we know, it is important that we seek Christ. That's when you're going to know the peace of Christ. Now stay with me. He's going to fix my stuff. Y'all focus on me. Look at what he, he says real closely. Because there's two actions that are extremely important when it comes to the temple of God, the presence of God in this finish. See, the temple in the Old Testament was not, again, a building. It represented the presence of God. It represented what they wanted. It wasn't just a place where you did religious stuff. It was where you sought and, and, and pursued the presence of God. And he says there's two things that you and I need to do if we're truly seeking the presence of Christ. Number one, look at it close, two action words. He says, says we he will be what established and number two his presence will be what exalted now let's pause i'm hoping my slides are good this time let's let's see if they are okay marco you may have to come back up here i can't get it to work come on down <laughs> all right so i'm going to keep trucking y'all quit looking at him and look up here all right so number one Establishes a critical part because it means to be anchored in or be firm in. And so when you and I are seeking the presence of Christ, that means that my life is anchored in Christ. Very good. Thank you, Marco. Let's give him a big round of applause. So in essence, what established means is it means to be erect. It means to be firmly established in and anchored in. So you know how you know and I know when I'm anchored in Christ or not? When life happens and how I respond. That is, you, you could, listen, I can say all day long I'm anchored in Christ, but until that theory is tested, I don't really know what the truth is, right? Am I, in the, am I the only one in the room? So, so when things happen that I don't prefer, don't expect, don't like, or whatever, how I respond is going to reveal a lot about where I'm anchored. Because life will blow me right over if I'm not anchored in the right place in Christ. And that's what that word established refers to. They're coming and they're seeking to establish the presence of God in their life as something that's not just a weekly religious thing they go through, but something that's a relationship that makes a difference day to day in your life. But then they said, he will be what? Exalted. And that root word means to lift up. What that refers to is that God, that Christ, is the focal point of your thinking. He is the focal point of your heart where your values are formed, and he is the focal point of your choices in life. Is that all making sense? You see, he's not really lifted up if I come and say, kumbaya, or, you know, sing my songs here, and I walk out and I don't lift him up. Th th come on, this means nothing. If all we do is go through the motions and we walk out of here and Christ is not on my mind and in my heart and inspiring my choices. 
That's what it means to be in the presence of God. And that's when you and I will begin to experience the peace that, uh, that makes no sense to have in the middle of the chaos. He's not saying you're going to get peace out of the chaos. He's saying, I'm going to give you peace in the chaos. They're about to experience their, their lives to be ashes and rubble because they had created their own kind of peace. And it didn't work. It's going to be destroyed by the Assyrians. And God is saying, I'm going to give you a peace in the middle of all the chaos. Isn't that awesome news? That our God, that Christ can do that. And so God's people, he, he says there's this, this future peace that's going to come, from, first of all, from the presence of God and from nothing else, not from circumstances being what you want them to be. And on and on we can go. Now look at verse 2. He says, many nations will come and say, they'll come seeking this presence of God. They'll see that there's a peace there. Many nations will come and say, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the presence of God, the presence of Christ. There's going to be this attraction to who Christ actually is. Now, that word nation, pause with me, it doesn't mean the people of God. It's quite the opposite. The word nation is referring in the Old Testament here to the Gentile people who did not know God, the pagan nations, the secular people. And it's not referring to political boundaries and countries like we tend to think. It's, it's referring to people separated from God. Now look at it close. They too are going to see their need for the one who created them and the one that is the source of the peace. And they're going to be drawn to this one. Jesus said something very interesting when he was talking about his own death on the cross in John chapter 12, verse 32. You know the verse. He says, and when I am lifted up above the earth, what's he talking about? When I'm hanging on that cross, when I am lifted up, what's he going to do? He says, I will draw all people, not some people, not some people that were religious, all people. I will draw them. I will give them this opportunity. I will draw them to myself. So as a church body, our calling is not to lift up new hope. As, as much as I love us, it is our calling to lift up who? Christ. That's where the peace is going to come from. Not from knowing us as great as we might be. It's going to come from leading people to Christ. Pointing them to the source of the peace. Because Jesus said, when you lift me up, not when you lift up your programs or your cool music or anything else. When you lift up me. Now let's pause just for a second and apply this on a personal basis. And, and, get, and truly, I pray you'll... you'll you'll introspect as, as I am doing. Number one, is Christ truly established in your life as your anchor? Or have you got a different set of anchors? Are you living your life on a different kind of foundation other than Christ? Because if you are, there's a day, if it hasn't already, been, already happened, we'll be tested. And you know what's going to happen if it's the wrong foundation? Your peace will be taken away. Every single time, just like in the day of Micah when they messed up so royally, they thought they had... You remember last week we talked to the, the, the false prophets were saying, you've got a peace, in quotes. Peace be with you. as a bunch of baloney is what it was. 
Life happened and the peace was gone. No big surprise, they were anchored in the wrong place. Peace comes from the presence of Christ, my friend. That's it. Not from having it your way, not from climbing the ladders, not from getting the bigger house. It comes from Christ. And is your life anchored in him? Are you really trusting him? Number two, is your life exalting Christ? Does your thinking focus on who he is and his will for your life? Does your heart, where your values and your, what you think is important, is it being, really, is it really being influenced and, 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 and shaped by your relationship with Jesus Christ? Or is it being shaped by the culture and by other things that can shape our hearts if we allow them to? And number three, do only your choices, your priorities you live out of. Are they exalted? Exalting Christ. Is Christ lifted up in how you and I live? Is that a fair question? That's not an easy question, but is it a fair one? Because only what we're going to see is the peace comes from that. Comes from the point that he's established and that he is exalted in our lives. Now look at what else happens when we begin to experience this peace in the presence of God, in the presence of Christ. Look at the second part of verse 2. He says, when we go to the mountain, when we approach him, when we seek his presence, the second part of verse 2, he says, he will what? He will teach us. Not just teach us information. Look at it close. He will what? Teach us his ways so that the reason so that we may what? Walk in his paths or his ways. You see, when we think of teaching, we think of, in our culture, we think of lecture halls and, and disseminating information. I call it the information dump. Now, the, learning is learning new stuff. You've got to intellectually understand something, so I get that. That's part of teaching and learning. But when the Bible uses that word teaching, it's talking, not talking about information dump. It's not talking about learning some new information. What it's talking about is pointing the way you should go. How do I know that? Well, you know this verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We were quoting it together not long ago, a few weeks ago. Solomon said this, Trust in the Lord. How? with all your heart. Be all in. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what? Your own he knows us well, does he not? God knows us well. Our natural tendency is to lean on our own understanding. And he says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, with your mind, with your heart, and with your life. In all your ways, do what? Submit. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Submit to him and he will what? Make your paths straight. Solomon didn't say, give you some more information that you're not going to do anything with. God's word is about not what you know, but what you're going to only choose to do with what you know. What he reveals. Teaching from God points you to a path to take. Not an intellectual philosophy to consider. That's what God's word does. And that is what will change you and I. That is when you and I will, be, will grow. We will begin to change. Now look at the very bottom of verse, and I'm going to move a lot quicker from the rest of the passage here. Look at the rest of what he says in verse 2. 
He says he will teach us his way so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So back in chapter 5, we know that the, this messianic leader is going to be born in Bethlehem, i.e. Jesus Christ. And then in Jerusalem, he's focused there because that's where Jesus, of course, dies. He, 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 he makes the ultimate sacrifice. And then it says in verse 3, he, this messianic leader, will judge between the peoples and will settle disputes of the strong nations far and wide. What does that mean? Jesus is going to have the last word. He is the judge. No matter what it is today, Christ, when he returns, he will have the last word. But before I move on to the rest of the story here, I want to pause and have a personal moment. Here's the question for you and I. Are we really learning the truth? Because if you really are learning the truth the way the Bible describes it, what does it mean? You'll start living the truth. Come on, honest check here. Me too. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not, I'm not teaching from an ivory tower here. If you and I can go on learning more and more about the Bible, but nothing ever changes about life, there's a disconnect. You're doing what modern people they think learning is but that's not what the bible teaches if you are truly learning and growing in your understanding of the truth by all means do that know more about god's word i, I encourage that we spend a lot of time investing in that but it's ultimately not just about your intellectual capacity it's about your willingness to live live according to the truth that's when life changes according to god's word but there's another part of the story let me wrap it up with this Peace doesn't just come from the presence of God. It comes from learning to live within the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? He's in control. It means I trust his control over my control. What did Solomon say? Lean not on your what? Own understanding. Trust his understanding. After all, he knows more, doesn't he? Okay, look at verse 3b. Now, here's, here's the part I can't imagine. This is where we know it's a future prophetic emphasis here. He says, when this Christ, this Messiah, only has the impact he's going to have, he says, they, that is the world, the, 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 the nation of peoples, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Now, what in the world did he just say? They're going to quit killing each other and start forming instruments of death and war into instruments of agriculture, of growth, of, of planting things and growing things, of creating life versus destroying life. And the, the plowshares is just any kind of hoe, any kind of digging instrument. And, and the, the pruning hook, for those of us that didn't grow up on a farm, is just another instrument for agriculture, for growth, for good things, for creating and not destroying. So he's saying that, that this Christ will change hearts and habits, habits and hearts, to the point that it begins to show up in life. But the point is, verse 3a, the first part we looked at, is that happens when you choose to him, for him to be sovereign in your life. Trust his sovereignty, regardless of what blows into your life, regardless of what challenges you're facing at this moment. You and I can choose one day at a time, say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm trusting that you do. Because you know what God's word says? He says, I know what I'm doing. That's my paraphrase. I'm God, you're not. So let me be. Let me be the God I am. Trust his sovereignty. 
So that begs the question again on a personal level. I know I'm giving you a lot of personal tidbits here to, this morning. But number one, are your habits changing in life? Because if they are, the good news is that means your heart's changing. Now flip the coin over. If there's no growth on this front, there's likely no transformation on that front. The proof that my heart is changing is my habits. The destructive things that are out of line with the character of Christ are they, and I'm not talking overnight, I'm talking over time. And I'm not even talking about a perfect process. Nobody shoots to the moon straight up in the air. We have this roller coaster ride, right? But hopefully it's going up. As you're roller coastering up and down, you're heading in the right direction. So God's word says a sign of trusting his sovereignty and being in his presence is exactly that. He will begin to transform you and I on a very personal basis. Now look at verses 4 and 5, speaking of personal. So he goes from this global peace that he talks about, where the instruments of death will be turned into instruments of, of things that, that cause life and plant and do good things. And then in verse 4 and 5, he makes it very personal. Notice what he says. Everyone. Did you hear that? Not someone, everyone. Everyone will what? Will sit, verse 4, sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree. Now, what in the world does that mean? That means you'll recognize the blessings of God in your life when you do what? Trust the sovereignty of God in your life. You, see, you know what? This is another freebie. This is number two. Y'all taking count? You and I will miss the blessings of God in our life if we're not trusting the sovereignty of God over our lives. Listen, some of you are going through some struggles right now. We've got families going through some hard stuff right now in this church. You will miss, in the midst of that chaos, the blessings of God if you refuse to trust the sovereignty of God. You've got to trust the sovereignty of God in order to see the blessing of God. He's making it very personal. He says each individual will sit under their, their, their vine or fig tree. That's a symbol of blessing from God. Now look at the very end of verse 4. This is awesome. If you've been taking a nap, wake up. Here's a good one. Look at what he says. And no one, when the presence of God is real and the sovereignty of God is real, no one, look at it, no one will make them afraid. Anybody ever made you afraid before? Come on. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Circumstances ever make you afraid before? Certainly. You know what that word afraid means? It means to tremble in terror. This is not a little nervous. This is a fear that has taken complete control. So that's what God's word is. You've heard me talk about this before. It's not that you will never feel anxious ever or feel fear. That's not what the deal is. What it says is you will no longer have to give control to it. You will no longer have to tremble in fear. When the presence of Christ is genuine in your life and when the sovereignty of, God, uh, sovereignty of Christ is at operation, is operating in your life. You're living under that. Now look at the verse 5. All the nations may walk in the name of their God. So he's looking back in time and he's contrasting two ways to live. You can walk with your false gods and your false uh, security that you and I can build up or you can do it a different way. He says, but, and this is a good but, 
but we will. The remnant, the people that are engaged, genuine faith in God. Once again, we're going to be in His presence. We're going to trust His sovereignty, but we will what? We will walk one day at a time, one step at a time. That means to live. We will walk how? In the name of the Lord. Well, what does that mean? I carry a banner around with Jesus on it? No. What that means is I walk within the character of Christ. I trust who Christ is. Genuine faith is what you are becoming, and that in turn is expressed in how you live. You take on the mind of Christ, guess what? You'll start living the life of Christ. Not perfectly, one day at a time. We will walk by the character of Christ. In other words, we will begin again to trust the sovereignty of Jesus Christ one day at a time. There was this Christian speaker that was speaking to an auditorium full of, of believers, most of them anyway, presumably, and he asked them to do something. I started to do this to you, but I won't, I won't do that to you. He, he, he asked them to close their eyes just for a few seconds and to imagine peace. What does that look like? Just close their eyes, dream, and imagine peace. So after about 30 seconds of allowing the, the audience to do that, he started asking people, well, what kind of, how did you, how did you imagine peace and one person said, I imagined a field full of just beautiful flowers and trees. It was just this tranquil place. Another said, I imagined a snow-capped mountains, just these enormous snow-capped mountains with the alpine forests. Uh, another said, I imagined a beautiful still lake and a pond and just birds chirping in the air and just, just this surreal, calm lake. And on and on the images went, and after a while, he pointed out something that was common about every single imagery of peace. People were missing. Every single one. Everybody was gone. Nobody was around. In fact, he said this, isn't it interesting? And I thought it was interesting, too, when I stopped and thought about it. And if he had done that to me, I probably would have come up with a mountain or something myself. I'll just confess that. But he said, isn't it interesting? When asked to imagine peace, the first thing we do is to eliminate everyone else. <laughs> I think he's on to something. You see, unfortunately, that's not the peace that God's Word says will last because peace, according to God's word, is not so much what you eliminate from your life, it's what you include. And the, the question is, are you and I seeking to walk in, to live in the presence of Christ? That's including, not excluding. And when you've got people around that are disturbing your peace, your imagery of peace, you can know peace, according to God's word. But it's all based on who Christ is in your life. Is it the presence? And number two, are you and I living under the sovereignty of Christ? Some of you are struggling with that right now. I just have this, this feeling, because I have too, by the way. I can relate. But Lord, I want to be in control. But, but Lord, I can handle it. But Lord, I've got plans. Come on. <laughs> I hope I'm not the only one, right? I'll, I'll go confess to somebody later, I guess. But I, I struggle with that too. I get it. I want to be in control too. 
But ultimately, what I've got to choose today, one day at a time, and say, Lord, I'm not in control. I just think I am. Uh, I've got plans, but they're not worth anything compared to what you've got plans for. And Father, I'm going to trust you. One day at a time, I'm going to trust your sovereignty. Regardless of what's going on in my life, I'm going to trust you. You know what happens? Because, listen, I know some of you could say the same thing. I have experienced this. In the midst of the chaos of my life at times when things have happened, painful things have happened, I have known the peace that Paul's talking about, the peace that transcends understanding. Have you? I have. It's real. This is not a theological dream. This is real. When we will seek the presence of Christ in day at a time, live under the sovereignty of Christ, it's real. You will know the peace that passes understanding. I've been there. Some of you are shaking your heads right now as I'm saying that because you too know what I'm talking about. And if you've not experienced that, it's probably, and listen, I'm not judging, I'm just challenging. It's probably because you're not seeking his presence and trusting his sovereignty. That's probably what the issue is because the peace comes from who? Christ. Not from circumstances, not from having your plans done. So my, my question I want to leave you with this morning is simply this. Do you actively seek the presence of God in your life? I mean, really. I, I don't mean come to church, get religious. I don't mean go through the motions. Do you seek the presence of Christ day to day in your life? Through his word, let him speak to you. Through personal time of just prayer, just stop, be still, and know that I'm God kinds of things. Do you and I take the time to really seek the presence of Christ in your life? And number, time, number two, do you and I actively trust the sovereignty of God, of Christ, over our lives? Because according to God's word, that's the source of peace. That's the peace that will last. That's the peace that will transcend the chaos of the world we live in. Let's pray together. Father, your, your word's just powerful. It, it's just a privilege week to week to get the honor of just sharing what you have said. And so I pray that these words will not, will not return void as your word promises they won't. I pray that they're even now penetrating our hearts and our minds, starting with myself. And I pray, Father, that you will help us see when we, if we have been drifting away from your presence and we've not been trusting your sovereignty. Father, show us that, and may we turn back. May, like the people of God in Micah's day, that remnant of people choose to re-engage you day to day and on a personal and genuine basis. Father, I pray that we will know the peace that this world is so profoundly missing. I pray that we will know the peace of Christ that does indeed transcend all understanding, is not dependent on circumstances. I pray we can know that kind of peace, even right now. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.